You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Powell, and we've got finality on this deal. There will be no bowl game for the Longhorns. It's either going to be another 5-7 and seven season or one of the worst seasons pretty much in the modern era of Texas football in terms of wins and losses by the time the season finale on Friday is in the books. We're going to kind of go big picture on this show, as we do always here on Longhorn Blitz, and you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7, click that follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz on the Horns 24-7 podcast platform. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. And however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of the presentation. And, gentlemen, we're almost at the finish line, so let's go ahead and just – Start putting this one to bed. Uh, let me bring in the rest of the team that's going to help me do that. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I'm not going to lie. ready to just dive headfirst into the off-season study. You guys know we all like to do that here on the show, and it's just going to start a little bit earlier than we planned on. Uh, a man who's always studying the game, always honing his craft when it comes to breaking down the X's and O's. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL when he was done with football. He got himself back to Austin, Texas and the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card carrying member of DBU and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. Appreciate no problem. It. Rod, I, full disclosure, Rod knows this. I do have an autographed Rod Babers program from a Texas football game hanging on my office wall right now. Appreciate so, that, uh, I will, the dream alive. I'll also always say that Chance Mock ruined that by signing it in red <laughs> pen when his picture was not on the program, hey, but man. such is life. Hey, man, I love me some Chance Mock. Uh, Shout QB. out. Love me some Chance Mock. QB autograph. Chance Mock's exactly. legendary. If, if you just look at nothing but the Texas Tech game his senior year, Chance Mock's pretty damn legendary. No, no, Chance Mock's a man. Chance, there's a lot of stories out there about Chance I was going to say, he's legendary he for He might have started things. most of them. <laughs> how fast he was, and he was a five-star prospect, all this stuff. Kind of pre-internet, so Chance could make up whatever he wanted to. But pretty I love Chance, man. Chance is good people. Uh, well, I, I, I kind of wish, Rod, that uh, the wins and losses looked a lot more like they did when you and Chance Mock were teammates on the 40 Acres. You'd love to have a Chance Mock out there right now. Chance oh, Mock my God. Right? I you know. kill for a Chance Mock right yeah, now. Yeah, somehow <laughs> Texas got to a level where everybody were like, 
like, oh, I don't know about a chance mock. It's like, man, give now me that like, ratio okay, where you can bench I, the number one passing efficiency guy in the country. How are we back to quarterback purgatory? When did that happen? It's so <laughs> weird, like, how quickly you just – because remember, we were praising Tom yeah. a couple of years ago for getting us out of quarterback purgatory. Yeah. You know, Shane Buscelli got us out of quarterback what? hell. That was the bridge. Sam Ellinger. Then you had depth in the quarterback room to the point where Cameron Rising is over in Utah balling after transferring out of yeah, program. Got, That's how deep the quarterback depth was. Guys like Shane Buscelli could transfer out. Cameron Rising transfer out. Still have success other places. And now – we're back in quarterback purgatory with the quarterback guru. I don't know what the hell. Happened. You look at that 2018 <laughs> year, I saw a picture float around social media of all four of them, and then you have Patrick <laughs> Mahomes saying, well, you know who gave me my swag back? Shane Bouchel showed me a pregame video. He literally, <laughs> when I couldn't believe what? I heard him out there, yeah, two wow. weeks ago, whenever he put up 41 points into Patrick Mahomes, credited the guy that got him his swag back that's why with Shane Bouchel. That's why he's playing in the league for the Chiefs. And then Cameron Boom. rising, and it's a photo of those four quarterbacks wow. walking around with That's Casey. amazing. Yeah. Shane, Shane's also with the Chiefs because another quarterback guru, Cliff Kingsbury, really wanted to sign him. Yes, he did. When and Kyler Murray went down. Andy Reid went think, and yeah, swiped him. Yeah, there were two other teams they wanted really bad. Which, by the Cardinals. way. Cardinals, hey, er, hey, Cliff Kingsbury likes those Texas quarterbacks. Texas Tech was Shane's first offer in high school. By was the way. it really? Cliff, nice. Cliff liked him Cliff, early. Cliff knows quarterbacks, yeah. let's be honest now. And, I mean, hey, we gave Sean Watson a lot of grief. He had Shea Patterson and a lot of quarterbacks in his camp, and the one he liked the most was Dan Bruchelle. Bruchelle, man. That was something about Bruchelle. Never said, Sean Watson, never said Sean Watson was a bad quarterback evaluator. I just want him nowhere near a game plan or a headset on game day, but that's beside the point. While we're on it, Pistolas McCoy, 3-0 and in his run, right. which is Pistolas unreal. Um, well, I wanted to start with the defense, but we'll go ahead and start with offense. And, and I actually, as we speak, I just posted a long-form article at Horns 24-7 on the quarterback situation. Mm. And it's just strange, Rod. Like, you know, you, you look at that run that Casey Thompson had coming out of the Arkansas game. You know, granted, it was against Rice and Texas Tech and a really bad TCU defense, which, by the way, he wasn't great against TCU that day. But really, Casey Thompson pre-thumb injury and Casey Thompson post-thumb injury, with the exception of the Kansas game, Basically, two different quarterbacks. I agree. And that's kind of how you are in quarterback purgatory, which Sark mm-hmm. gets through this season and he really doesn't know. And we talked about it on the show last week. You're given Casey's performance in the Kansas game on top of the fact that Hudson Carr just looked lost. You know, Rod, people you say about your roommate Chris Sims, deer in the headlights look. If you want to know what deer in the headlights is, go back and watch Hudson Card pretty much any game he's played since the Louisiana game. Yeah. That's the definition of deer in the headlights. But you get to this West Virginia game and the word on the street is because you know the cold kind of exacerbated Casey's cold thumb problem. Help. Yeah, it does. It does uh, which, by the way, the Iowa State game too it was cold in Ames. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. Yeah, that's football. Though. So Sark gets to halftime, decides he's seen enough. Hudson Card comes in, first three passes, it looks like more of the same. But then mm-hmm. you know, that one random tip ball finds Marcus Washington. He dumps one off to Xavier Worthy. Then they call the shot. It's it's that same. It's the same shot Texas has dialed up a lot. They just haven't mm-hmm. hit it. Yeah. Just a hard play action, a little half, half roll, roll, half roll, mm-hmm. and then boom, hit the vertical. Double move. Yeah, and Xavier Worthy got behind the defense, and Hudson Card at one point completes nine straight passes in this game. Leads two touchdown drives, and you're like, okay, this is this is kind of what Sark probably saw in camp that led him to make the initial decision. Mm-hmm. And then he gets rolled up on on a play that, based on other roughing the passer calls in this league. That should have been roughing the passer, but it wasn't. Yeah. Two other guys got hurt on the same damn play. Junior yeah. Aguilar gets hurt on the same play. <laughs> Keita Robinson gets hurt. Never Ball. seen anything like it. <laughs> Craig Way was befuddled if you heard his call. So Hudson Craig gets call. rolled up on. Casey has to finish the drive. He's clearly not 100%. Then his thumb gets gives out for good 
late in the game. And then Hudson has to come in, and I was watching the game on the sideline with some other riders, and people were like, oh, gosh, he missed this guy. I'm like, guys, he can't throw. He can't push off on his left foot. He cannot throw. It doesn't matter who's open right now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's how you end up in quarterback purgatory, Rod, Yeah. is injuries and weird stuff and you know, a season where you win four, maybe five games, and you just decide, hey, Every job is pretty much with the exception of B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy. Every job on this team is going to be open yeah. in the spring. Uh, that includes quarterbacks. It should. I, I yeah. think he mm-hmm. sent out a smoke signal to quarterbacks around the country with the new transfer rule. He doesn't like it, but he knows that, hey, he's got to win this game, even though he doesn't like the rules of it. He's basically it's, it's kind of shown his disdain for the new free agency of college football with the transfer portal. Well, but it's it's free agency he's damn sure going to take advantage he's, of, too. He's got it's, to. it's the gift and the curse. I think, that he's got, I think that's why he sent a smoke signal. He said, hey, quarterback competition, quarterback competition is open. It's wide open. If you want to be the starting quarterback here in Texas with an All-American wide receiver and an All-American running back, yeah, our, our old line's got some issues, but I can scheme around that. Come. Come on to Texas. Yeah. It was a Suge Knight type, you know, <laughs> a death row type thing. Yes. <laughs> you want to start be the starting quarterback at Texas? <laughs> you don't want anybody you wanna, else. You want to hand off to an All-American running back, throw to an All-American wide receiver, come to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where Texas is. That's where Texas <laughs> is at the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, Matt and I were talking about this, Rod, and, and before you got here, and, and all jobs should be open because – Boy, every, everybody looks at this offense. Everybody, a lot of, I say everybody. A lot of people look at this offense and say, "Well, I mean, they were the highest scoring offense in the Big 12. Okay, I've given you the numbers on this yeah, show. You have pretty much against any defense with a pulse, the production basically gets cut in half. Yeah. So, but the defenses that are terrible, they just annihilate. Oh, no like they, it ain't they don't just beat them. They, 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 they put an old testament style butt whipping yeah. on the bad defense, which they should. Right. Which they should. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. Which basically you're in the same spot you were with the previous regime. But I digress. You're the best uh, of bad pretty, teams, pretty much. Yeah. There you go. I agree. With uh, that. So you know you can look at the offense and say that, but you you do have good news, right? Mm-hmm. Bijan Robinson confirmed with us in the media availability on Monday that he's coming back. God's he's he's going to play next year, which God's I told playing. you guys I was banking on. Hey, he's just he's he's just wired that way. That's just the kind of cat. He you is. did you said you did tell me that we yeah. brought that up. That's okay. you right. You said that. Uh, Xavier Worthy's going to be back, so you've got two. Your two game breakers, your two game changers. Rod, you talk all the time. There's guys that move the chains, guys that change the game. Those two guys change the game. It's the best running back and the best wide receiver in the conference. They're both going to be back. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good to start. Yeah, it's a pretty good start to point. You know, Sark does have to manage his quarterback position because he was asked point blank in the press conference, hey, do you feel confident you can get both of these guys to come back? And his answer was, it was an honest answer, I don't know. Chances, logic tells you one of these guys won't be here next year. Um, I don't know which one. I don't one. know about that because I think they both believe they can win the job. I think if he get, if he awards the starting quarterback job prematurely in order to cultivate leadership, which I think there's an argument to be made that he should – Right, because you need somebody mm-hmm. leading your offseason workout. You need to cultivate leadership in this offseason, mm-hmm. and you need to do it with the, at the natural leadership position, which is quarterback. You start with the uncertainty there. That's why you have a void in leadership. But I digress. So there's an argument to be made there. But if he, I agree, if he awards the quarterback position, or at least awards QB one to somebody early on, yeah, definitely the guy, other guys transferring. But if not, if he strings them along. Yeah, they're saying, or if like they, say, want, they want the job because where their careers are right now, it could be possible that they could both stay. One's a young guy, one's, one's a guy going guy. into the last year. So in Casey's theory, got two years left. It's true, true. And that does already change a little basically. bit. 
So yeah. he's already. Yeah. He's already oh, you forget about yeah. that. Is he got two years extra, of basically extra, how many, just hanging out. If I'm Casey, I'm, I wonder how many master's degrees can I earn by the time I leave Ooh, here? That's good. <laughs> good point. No, sir. I think you're right. You For, decent, like, most of it done. Like Tope Amade, I think, like legit has like a couple of bachelor's and maybe a couple master's God, at this point. I don't know. Well, oh, yeah, take advantage of it. Pay I think for it. it. If you end up looking at the transfers that would be coming in, say you get a big name transfer to come in, that could add a writing to the wall that one of them may be a better idea to go because you're only sure. going to have a competition between two. So I think what you see come into the program will sort of dictate what they're going to have the intention of one or the other. Yeah, when you look at what's in the portal, now the, the quarterback transfer portal is, is going to change. There are going to be names in there. Oh, now they will. Be when you look at it right now, like Miles Brennan at LSU doesn't do a whole lot for me in terms of changing the dynamic. The big game changer is, does Quinn Ewers decide, I don't want to wait behind C.J. Stroud for is a few right? years. I'm going to go somewhere where I can compete. That's a dynamic that completely changes the complexion. That's why of you throw the smoke signal out, and that's yeah. when the that's transfer would come yeah. in from one of the guys coming in. If you get a big name to come in, mm-hmm. uh, they're also still trying to flip Devin Brown, the USC commit out of say the Utah uh, four-star quarterback. You got a stockpile, man, because the truth is, they're with, the quarterback attrition has you guys uh, documented twenty-four-seven sports a long time ago. But for blue-chip quarterbacks, the transfer rate is fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Every for every blue chip quarterback around the country and in other conferences like the SEC, it's higher. It's like 63 percent yep. blue chip quarterbacks. They're gonna want to transfer. The mm-hmm. one that doesn't win the job, hey, newsflash, they want out because they want to win the job somewhere else. And by the way, there are other jobs they can win mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of top quality quarterbacks out there. We know this. And both of these guys have some leverage, right? Casey's got a year of proven production. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good film. And good he's got film. he's got good film, and he's got two years left. Mm-hmm. With the COVID eligibility, he and graduated already. And Hudson Card, if Hudson Card entered the portal right now, Joe Burrow the, the line would form to the left on schools trying to get in on Hudson Card. Yeah, I think both for both of them though. Probably, yeah. I think for both. Of I them. think you're right. And then the blue chip ratio for Card would just add, like you said, he's younger. And he's but yeah, younger. a guy yeah, like Casey. I'm just saying for, for what Casey's already done, he's like exactly what he did what in Oklahoma you want in the game, transfer. what he did in that bowl game. Like he's got some the, the upside kind of. I think potential for Casey in some offenses, in, in depending on the competition too, I think is pretty high. He's got to be in the right offense. That's the key for yeah. Casey. He's got to be smart about where he goes. And I, for that part, I guess Hudson does too. Both and it sounds guys. like Casey's the type of player that would be quite He'll smart. Do the he'd, be, yeah. he'd go and pull a Russell Wilson and go land in the right spot. And that's where Casey's sort of your perfect stereotypical Great later point. graduate transfer guy that every single team outside of your cream of the crop top five would envy. Like if Tom Herman got a job somewhere, right? <laughs> there are a lot of jobs open. If Tom Herman gets a job somewhere, Casey Thompson knows that offense. He knows that pro spread. Would he say would the the the, the attractive option would be, hey, he could be your bridge guy while you get that room figured out. Could be, I guess that could get, be a situation yeah, right. where you could promise him what Sark can't right now, like, yes, you will come here, you will be the guy. I need you to be my bridge guy while I figure out what the hell else I've got in this room. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, yeah. He could work. I mean, he came here to play in that system. Yeah. And that's so that's just like, one, you know, just throwing that out there as a hypothetical. That's a good but point. Uh, that's just, but so I don't want anybody to get it twisted on what Rod is saying. Dax is not in quarterback hell. Like, we've seen what it's no, like they're in purgatory. when you're a quarterback hell. Just that purgatory. You just don't. Yeah, they were in hell before. Yeah, it's a little uncertain. Just don't, yeah. don't well, we've got the new transfer portal rules with the one-time waiver. One-time transfer. One-time yeah. transfer waiver. You can actually honestly say that a school like Texas should never be in quarterback hell ever again. Because mm-hmm. you really <laughs> can, you know, I'm not saying you can recruit those guys because that's tampering technically. But 
Yeah. There are ways for you to go out there and go get a guy who can at least be serviceable. Yeah. You could just go out there and start after a press conference and say, man, we need good quarterback play. And that's all you got to do is say that in a press that conference. Is exactly. And it puts the writing on the wall and you'll have is to be kids clicking in a second. Damn right it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to me, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. You know, we'll – I don't know how much you guys want to break down of the West Virginia game on offense because it's kind of the same song and verse we've seen from this offense. Again, when they face a top 50-ish defense, basically a yeah. defense with a pulse. But if I'm Sark, I'm looking at, you know, you've got one year left with B. John Robinson. Mm-hmm. You've got two years left with Xavier Worthy. Yep. You know you've got offensive line issues. Is this Sark just saying, look, this defense isn't going to get completely fixed in an offseason? Just go all in and make this offense as elite as you can be. If you get an elite transfer that can come in and is better than one of the two guys you got, then so be it. Or if one of these guys rises above in the competition, then you can be it. You you can add a couple of pieces on the offensive line to what you've already got, and you have the potential to be an elite offense. Yeah, and I year. said this, hell, I probably said it a couple of months ago now, it feels like. Sark recognized way, way too late. And I still don't think he's recognized it because he still throws out complimentary football way too much. You're not good enough to play complimentary football. Quit trying to make it happen. All right? It, you just, it, you're just losing games that way. Mm-hmm. You are a lopsided kind of old-school Big 12 football team. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. Not the new Big 12 football team. Not the, as you call it, the hybrid spread schemes, Jeff. No, no, no. Not the run, uh, not the run-oriented teams with great defense that can, you know, play ball control. No, no. You're you our boss. Old-school Big 12. Outscore them, baby. We've got to outscore them. And yet you got elite offense, and that's what you got to bank on. Hopefully your defense can go make some plays. If they do, they're opportunistic. They do actually force some turnovers. Didn't in the West Virginia game, really, but... That's usually kind of what they do really well, and you need to just try to win games with that one phase. Fortunately for you, you actually can do it with two phases because Jeff Banks and the special teams has been really good, in my opinion, all mm-hmm. year long. So they actually make plays for you too. you got two phases to win with. They have to make up for a lackluster, not just lackluster, let's be honest, it's one of the worst defenses in college football. Yes. The Texas defense is really bad. Yeah. So you got to be able to make up for that. And the way you make up for it is you got to win on special teams. It means you win the, you know, hidden yardage battle, uh, the block kicks you get, all that type of stuff. Try to get return yardage. And on offense, you got to score and you got to score a lot and you got to score fast. Period. Yeah. And you need to be as innovative and as creative as possible. And he hasn't figured that out yet. He's still trying mm-hmm. to be, he's a moderate right now when he needs to be an extremist. You know what I mean? Like, that's basically what's going on. You are Elizabeth Warren right now, but you need to be Bernie. You need to be, you need to go crazy. <laughs> so you're saying more, you, more. you either need to be Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. You need to, you can't, yeah, you exactly. can't reside in the you middle. To you gotta be one, to be one end or the other. The moderate's not gonna get it here. I would love to, hey, we would love all the moderates to get it, but right now, that moderate thing is not gonna win with Texas. That's balanced football. That's complimentary football. You can't win like that. You're not good enough. What's yeah, interesting moderate. though, and we'll get into this next week with that special teams part of it. We'll get into like who can come back, who will come back, who should come back, who's gonna move on. Get into that next week after the K State game when we got a little more time. But that special teams part of it, Rod, man, if you can convince Cameron Dicker to come back to use that year of COVID eligibility, then you you can you can be one of the better special teams units in the country. I agree. He's been elite this year. And between I mean, granted, Deshaun Jameson's not partaking in senior day festivities. There's a chance he could come back. He's got another year. So if you bring Jameson back, Keelan Robinson back, the guys you have available in the return game. Or Jordan Whittington in there if you want. Worthy can help you out in the return game. Uh, and we've already seen what the coverage and return units can do. Yeah, you, you're you basically Cameron Dicker's return away from saying we, we should be one of the better special teams units in the country. Next and year. focus on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you should try to focus on that and try to – 
find find ways to put your best players on special teams. I know he already does a lot of that, but you should do more of it. Mm-hmm. You should do, try to dominate special teams every week. That should be one of your goals. And do- you can't do it. It's a realistic goal for you. And dominate off and dominate off and dominate off. Which also is now with the best running back in the Big Twelve, the best wide receiver I think coming back in the Big Twelve. That should be part of your goal. Yeah, you can do that, uh, you know, schematically and tactically. And if you've been able to do it when you take off, say, the returner or the punter, you've still been able to do it just with, like, the punt rush team. You could see when yep. Keelan Robinson was out, Marcus Washington fit in, and he was able to oh, get a block. Dixon like, down in punts. And you look at the, the blocks in, yeah. in all the t- times that Texas has had block kicks this year, it's really been able to flip momentum in a game or seize some type of momentum. Like, early in the season, you saw multiple times and then almost was able to help out in, like, against Kansas so that's something that you didn't yeah. see at Texas for a long time that you immediately got and you can tell it's happening because of the focus on it it'll also help you forge an identity as a team one of the biggest complaints we've all had like what's the identity of the team hear them talking about LHN yeah one of the identities should be we are an elite special teams unit elite because mm-hmm. you have the ability to do that offensively that should also be your goal like, oh, we should be and that's going to be an adjustment on the part of the coaches right they need to go to coaching school and that need, it's all about your <laughs> halftime. No, seriously. I mean, I think I think I mean uh, Mike McCarthy talks about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, really. You coaches should go. I mean, as a football theorist, you talk about it in the off season Enjoy when you go it. to these coaching conventions. They're just going to coaching school. Coaching conventions are just yeah. coaching school. They yeah. go and talk about like, man, I had a problem this year, man. I, listen, I had I keep saying I tried to play an odd front. But did, I mean, they just break it down like, sharing oh man, ideas. you should have did. Yeah, they're just sharing information and theories, and they need to go to coaching school and figure out, okay, why do we win mostly the battle of preparation and the battle of game planning, but we lost the battle of adjustments and then lost the game? What happened? Like, why, why, and then go back and watch the game and go, yeah. what could we have done? What should have been the adjustment, guys? What's the adjustment? Well, honestly, just throw stuff around. Throw blank at the wall and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. But you need to figure out why you're losing the battle of adjustments. Now you're actually losing the battle of game planning and preparation. Lately, that's because I think most of the guys kind of checked out. And I don't think that's totally Sark's fault either. Human but nature. Yeah. You need to figure out why, the co- why, you as a, why you guys as coaches failed when it came to making adjustments, as you pointed out, Jeff, against other elite coaches, other coaches who are considered, you know, the 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 elite or the better coaches in their conference. Yeah, and, uh, you know, especially Sark going against, you know, whether it's Alex Grinch uh, or mm-hmm. Jim Knowles, that, tan, that tandem of, of Ron Roberts and Dave Aranda at Baylor and uh, – you know, John Haycock at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. The theme here is the company you keep, and we're talking about the company you aren't in, and you want to be in the company you keep with the good coaches, or you don't want to be in the company you keep with, like, the you best of the bad teams. But right now, Texas sort of is both. Like, you can only beat those bad teams and dominate them, so you're best of the bad, but look who you're around. That's not where you want to be. And then in the coaching scheme, it's the same thing. And Sark's got to figure, Sark's got to figure out how you handle the three-safety defense. That yeah. John Haycock defense, like how how do you scheme up for it? Because we're on one simple adjustment. We talked about it, Rod, like simple adjustments you can make. The one they made in the West Virginia game, they ran – like go back and watch the first half of the Oklahoma game. I, what would you say, Rod, split zone? They were probably, what, 75 80% split zone mm, in the first half of the OU game? Compress it. Yeah. Yeah, which I like that. They, funky. you know, they have the the string of four, three and ounce, and then they just went to split zone, and things opened up in the run game yeah. because it's amazing. It's amazing what they happens. Had so much misdirection. Yeah, going. when you move your put your tight ends in motion, and, and, you, and they had Jordan Whittington lined up sometimes flex right yeah. there. Yeah, he mm-hmm. would come across the formation. It was funky. The was same like, thing teams are doing to you to mess you up. <laughs> yeah. You can do to them and mess them up. No, it was that. that oh man, that first half 
game plan for Oklahoma. That is just Firing Longhorn's wet dream. I mean, it really was. It was yeah. that was great. It was, it was early fantastic. morning. It's almost like it's an alternate universe. He, like, it, the, him, he wore those. He, the, he wore that suit for the pregame. Oh yeah, the it white almost, pants. It, it almost fit the swag. I was like, Whoa! I thought Billy no. White shoes Johnson, but it yeah. was Sark White pants. I'm, yeah, I'm blaming. <laughs> I'm blaming Sark's pants for the losing streak. By the way, no, no, no. Things were that. fine. Things were fine until the pants came out. Mm, that's true. No, but then no, the pants actually, you know, that's led to the first Did half because he, he knew. He knew I. Had a game. He knew he had a hell of a game. That's why he wore those. Maybe pants. he's maybe maybe in the fourth quarter somebody should have brought him the pants. He should just drop <laughs> trial on the sideline and put the pants on. No man, it's the lack of adjustments. Man, they got out coached in the second yeah. half, and you know it's small little things that add up over time, and that's what Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch did, and you know Jim Knowles, and you know and and Dave and uh man, what's their what's their Ron Casey Roberts. Dunn, Casey Dunn. I'm about Jim, I'm Oklahoma State. Jim knows in Casey. It's Casey. Casey Dunn's the OC. Casey yeah. Dunn's the OC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought you were talking about Baylor. Sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Jeff Grimes and Dave Rennie. You got to like basically uh, run Roberts is the DC. Ron Roberts is the DC, uh, but that's Stavery. Yeah. Uh, but my point is, like, you got you got out coached in the second half of those contests, and those we we know it's in you because those are the best teams in the Big Twelve. Those are the best coach teams in the Big Twelve have the best players, and you had double digit leads on all of them in the second half. So it's there. Um, you got to learn why that is that basically, you know, in, essentially that just, I don't know, it blew up. It just exploded in your face in the second half. You got to find out what ended up leading to that downfall and that domino effect. Yeah, it's. Uh, that's an offseason project. Yeah, it is an offseason project. And the, the, I think the, the thing that gives you confidence is, like you just said, Rod, the pieces are there for this team to be an elite offense. Oh, yeah. uh, the pieces are not. And granted, like that's the pitch to guys like like Evan Stewart and some of these you know four or five star guys you can add that can come in and play right away. Like look, like you know you don't have to come in and be like the guy. You're gonna get the ball because there's nobody else in that receiver room that can run with you right now. There's one guy that can, and that's Two, Xavier. But one can't stay healthy. True. Jordan Whittington can go, but yeah, he can't stay healthy. You I mean, can't count just, on him at this point. They, at this point, he's in the he's I'm in the Bo Scave Jordan Shipley category. Exactly. Like you, I can't if he's there, great. If he's still not, probably I mean, playing the league one day because yeah. he's that good. He got that kind of potential. Well, and back. I think that we, if you look at this team, I don't even necessarily think his injury this year was a Jordan Whittington problem. It's like every skill position guy has been bludgeoned because you have an offensive line problem, and you look across the board. Bijan's injuries the same way. Bracing yourself while falling down. It's the same thing with Whittington. Like, you've seen these guys across the offense go down because they're getting the hell knocked out of them. When you look at the wide receiver depth chart, just keep in mind that there was a certain member of the previous regime who felt Marvin Mims and Jackson Smith and Jigba were too small to play at Texas. So just file that away next time you look at the Texas receiver depth chart. They said that about X-Man too then. Yeah. Yeah, he would be way too slight. That's crazy. Can't do that. But you know what's weird? What I, I, just, I just brought up to me, Rod, and I never, it never dawned on me. But I thought about. it. I'm like, yeah, that is weird. Like, if you look at the guys Tom Herman recruited, you ever notice how he really favored like six three receivers, but recruited like five nine, five ten corners. <laughs> sort of a good point. Strange, yeah. That doesn't so, really that doesn't line up. Well, because uh, defensively, he did not have a vision as to what he wanted his defense to look like. I mean, he, I think that was probably more Todd Orlando. Right, because uh, Orlando was his defensive counterpart. I guess same thing for Sark. Right, Sark. Sark came in. This is good talking about Sark. Sark had a vision for the defense. It was flawed because he started building his defensive staff before the defensive coordinator. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure he had PK's thoughts on it, but PK wasn't really allowed to build it himself. Now, I'm not absolving PK of blame, responsibility for how bad the defense is. It's bad, and I, I was really hounding the PK higher. Um, but the fact of the matter is that was probably a mistake now, looking back. Probably should have let the guy who actually is coordinating the defense and calling the defense, you know, pick his own coaches. If he's going to cook the meal, probably should buy the groceries. Yeah, and that's one of those deals. I, I'm, a, I'm in favor of this part of that. Rod is next week, hope maybe next Saturday. Sark and PK sit down Saturday morning and mm-hmm. go to Starbucks, grab you a table, croissant, and say, "Look, let's do it. What do you need to get this right? Let's talk about it. Two, three hours. Do you need me to call Jimmy Lake and make the and repair that thing? Yep. Do you need me to go, you know, to Marcel Yates at Oregon, a guy that Jeff Banks worked with at A and M, who's mm-hmm. another good defensive pass game coordinator? Now. You need me to call Gary Patterson and go, "Hey, Gary." We need you to come here. And what watch, what do you, what do you need? Give us pointers. Do I need to go tell tell ask Chris Peterson and give have, have him give me an honest adjustment of what you? Damn need? right. We're, we're him in. Yeah. What you sit down with Jimmy. Uh, that's, but if I'm Sark, that's what I'm asking PK. I, I, right. Like I need you to be 100 percent honest with me. What do you need yeah. to make this work? Because you're my guy. You're my guy. You, we're paying you. We got a lot of money and time invested in you. Mm-hmm. What do you need to make this work? Yep. I and agree. and then go to CDC and say I need this this and this to help my defensive coordinator. Please help me go get it. Damn right. I totally agree. And I, yeah, I've heard rumors about him and Jimmy Lake, so I don't know what's what, honestly. Uh, but I, I think, you know, you would have to do some, I would say some public relations stuff to do with Jimmy Lake because yeah. when the reason he was let go there, there was not just football, even though the football wasn't going great. It was some, the way that his treatment of some of the players, that was a question. Um, but he would, hell, you don't even get to talk to the coordinators anyway. So exactly. even, yeah, we don't talk to the court, we don't talk to PK. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter. So I'm with you. I, I think that call should have already been made. If I was, honestly, and I know it's probably wrong, if I was Sark, I'd have called Jimmy Lake as soon as I heard the news, even before I talked to PK. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, man, what's up? You, what's, what, what are you thinking about? Because you can have a place here as a consultant, or I can make you a co-DC, I could do whatever. And then I'd go to PK. Because at this point, you got to fix the problem. You yeah. can go ask PK his opinion. But, hell, you and PK should probably have been communicating about this whole thing this, this time. So in terms of what PK needs, he should obviously do the, the wholesale evaluation. But you as a coach, what do I say about coaches? You're the problem solvers. Right. You need to go solve the problem. You should already – you should have – the problem with Sark is you should be in that defensive meeting room more. Yeah. Now, that needs, the question needs to be asked. How, what, how much time do you spend in the defensive meeting room? Are you there the whole time? Because you need to now decide, yeah, I need to spend less time doing offense and more time with the defense. Because the fact that you have not been able to look at the defense and go, well, man, they're, they're attacking you like this every time. You know what, Coach? I need you to blitz more on third and long. Simple. Period. I want to mm-hmm. see the blitz rate go up on third and longs, third and seven or more. Between me and you, that's how I do it. And and. and if, if we go back and look at it and you have not done what I told you to do or not actually, you know, uh, heeded my advice or my recommendations, then we got another conversation. Yeah. That's insubordination. But you need to come up and just – you need to come in there straight up and give him solutions or recommendations. That's not happening. Because right now those are the type of things that we talked about when we talked earlier this year, how different of a job. And it seems obvious, but it's worth pointing out. Like being a head coach is so much different than being an offensive coordinator. Not only what you're doing during the game, but in preparation and then the things that could fall through the cracks and even how other coaches had 
your old football head as a right hand man, a guy that's been in the game that mm-hmm. can every time you aren't noticing something, he's telling, "Hey, don't let this fall off," or right. he's sitting inside that room and being your proxy and doing those type of things, or sitting in when you'd hear the stories of what fixed Vince Young or Greg Davis and stuff, and you always had people sitting there that have been around the game for a long time that know how to at least make sure something isn't falling through the cracks, and you've had those guys around different programs and you just don't know right now because we don't know Sark so well what Sark's model is behind closed doors and what he has and those are the things that where it doesn't even need to be hiring Jimmy Lake it maybe it's just well now Jimmy isn't as busy so you can have PK be calling and meeting up and talking ball with Jimmy all offseason and being like hey buddy we you and I have been able to break down offenses and defenses our whole career and look at and be successful. Those are the type of things that you know there are those relationships from, you know, the years of guys like Sark working with Kiffin or whoever he was on with staffs with Carroll and all these things. The reason why you go after these guys that have these Rolodexes, but you're at Texas, and at Texas you need to maximize those type of things, and you have an open checkbook, and you just came from the place where Saban changed the model and had 100 assistants and analysts we heard Ed O. What was the reason why LSU won it all? He was blown away by his analysts. Ed O. wasn't doing anything that year. His analysts won him a national championship, and that's what you have the resources to do that at Texas. Yep, totally agree. I, I say all that to say this as we kind of get ready to wind things down this week on a shorter Thanksgiving week episode of the Blitz, and we're not – I apologize. We're not going to really dig into K-State because – I don't know that it matters all that much at this point. Stop Deuce Vaughn, and you might have a shot. Yeah, and but you couldn't stop Deuce Vaughn last year when basically, other than Caden Stearns, you, you had a we were playing with a full deck on defense, and you had no answers. No Skylar Thompson though, because he's going to be dealing with an injury, and they might. Be. But Skylar Thompson didn't play that game last year either, yeah, right? Well, at least Texas put up numbers. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. No, you're right about that. No, I, I agree that Deuce Vaughn is a lot to handle, and he's coming back home, so he's going to be excited. Oh yeah, yeah. For oh, sure. yeah. No he's going to have family in his No question. <laughs> and yeah, with no Bijan, it's like. Oh, they had the best player on the field. Yeah, um, I'm very concerned about the defense, and this goes back to the West Virginia game. Man, you you go five and seven. The, the opponent is five for seven on third and nine plus. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do in a video game. Six of ten on third and long, third and seven plus. And the fact that Sark is we're we're in game, and I asked him after the game because he got asked specifically about the third and long. But Rod, everything West Virginia did. Other than the first drive where they were running a lot of perimeter stuff, mm-hmm. it was all it was all pretty much between the hashes, yeah. deep crosses, shallow crosses, a lot of in breaking stuff. Which is what Dave's been doing line. all year, by the way. That's not new, right? Pro football focus and show you that. Yeah, like, literally, he targets the middle of the field. That's his fate. That's his sweet spot. Like sixty percent of all of his targets have been middle of the field. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, for Sark to be talking about it's game eleven. We're gonna be talking, and I asked him after the game. I said, "Does that kind of encompass the the day for the the defense as a whole?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "There was a lot of that stuff." And then he starts talking about, "I think our situational awareness needs to get better, and our down and distance awareness needs to get I heard better." Heard about that? He's right. And then he's talking on Monday. He's like, "We've got to improve the football IQ on this team," mm-hmm. which tells me one of two things is happening. We talked about this with multiple defensive coordinators now, and when things go wrong, it's usually either one or the other. Either you have a group of players that are robotic and incapable of learning how to function within this system. Really, it's three things. That the system is too complex and needs to be pared down. Or three, you're on the right track. You're just teaching it the completely wrong way. 
or the way you're teaching it is not getting through to the players. Something, something's got to change because there is a massive disconnect there, and I'm flabbergasted at how much this defense has regressed because, Rod, you pointed out earlier, even things this defense was doing at one point in the year that they were reasonably good at, they're not doing that now. They're not turning you over. Going into that game, they had the third best percentage in the Big 12 in terms of touchdowns allowed in the red zone on their red zone trips. They're allowing touchdowns like 53% of the time. The third best percentage in the league. Yeah, last two weeks they've been red zone, in the red zone. West Virginia, four red zone trips, they scored four touchdowns. Yeah. So even things you were doing well, somewhat well, that you could hang your hat on and say, we might be terrible at a lot of other things. At least we can do one, this one thing. Yeah. They're not even doing that now. Yeah. This defense is completely just going downhill. Yeah, and why are the DBs so bad? I agree. They are bad at pattern recognition and, and knowing route concepts and combinations. And linebackers they and safeties aren't no, much better either. Yeah, right there because you can tell by the uh, alignment, the formation, down, distance, all the, the information you're supposed to be thinking about, right? Alignment, assignment, down, distance. They don't really know how to anticipate what is going to happen. Right, that's they. It, it, it's that's such, film it's room stuff. Yeah, it is. It, it is film room study, but it's also it is football IQ. You yep. should be. You should Between be able to know two. based on yeah, based on the trips and based on the uh, the 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 formation and based on the movement and the down distance. Okay, there are a certain number of routes that they are going to run. This mm-hmm. team runs a certain number of routes. They got like two or three routes that they can run. Okay, when they snap the ball, and then you watch the routes develop. Right, you watch the two, three. Deshaun Jameson in the in. You know, when they are in the red zone for West Virginia, and they are probably running, I mean, it looks like it could be either a cover four or a cover six or a cover two. I'm not really sure. You really can't. But he ends up covering just space and why the receiver ends up running kind of a skinny post in the back of the end zone. And I know he's probably thinking, oh, well, I'm in zone coverage. Just, you know, I'm covering my zone. It's like, well, yeah. You should, don't be a robot, though. You have to defend yep. the nearest threat. You cannot yes. just defend a poor. He was literally defending nothing in the red zone. Yeah. In the red zone, everything happens quick. Like, don't ever defend just space in the red zone. Well, Go nobody find is. work. And he literally just kind of let the, let the receiver drift in the back of the end zone. And I'm not even saying it was his guy, but he, he was guarding nothing. And just sitting there, I was like, whoa. Lacking awareness. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, you got to go. Go go do something. Mm-hmm. Go be in yeah. here. They're playing now 10 on 11. Don't you get that? So I do understand what he's saying about pattern recognition. Like that, you that's just not good football. You need to go insert yourself into the coverage yep. when you're guarding nothing. Understand that you are now putting your defense at a disadvantage by guarding nothing. So go find the and, – and then there's another threat out there. It's crazy the way the coverage breaks down that he did – he he. He was cool with guarding nothing. In that situation. That's just unacceptable. Th- yeah. That's when you have to be aware. Still be aware of what your responsibilities aware, were. But, but you also got to cover the ball first. The route is broken the down. Back. Go find work. And then yep. the receiver's just in the back of the end zone. He caught it. And him and Schooler end up looking at each other. And Schooler just turns around. Because Schooler actually had work. He actually, that was he was defending a guy mm-hmm. at the time. So it was. It's, it's a lot. It's a. There's a lot of disconnects within that defense. The coverage has doesn't make any sense. It, it's not compatible with the front. Um, Steve Sarkisian is going and re- reverse engineer that entire damn defense. And you look period. back at just personnel what, too. You're not, you don't. You don't. You have zero pass rush. Also, zero pass rush. No. You don't have uh, corners that can win on one. You know, dude, uh, opposing teams are completing sixty two percent of their uh, twenty plus yard passes against Texas secondary. That is so hard. Sixty two percent, guys. Yeah, that's the best. And, team, and West Virginia was the first one to do it a lot. They had the most pass attempts of twenty yards or more against Texas than any other team this year. So they figured it out. Like you know, what? I think the first play of the game they chunked it deep. They figured it out and they went. 
they went to the they chunked it at the corners too. But they went toward those safeties. And I mean, you remember like you remember RG 3s Heisman year Baylor. I think Baylor was completing something like 40 percent balls yeah, at twenty plus down the field. Say, and we were like, like oh my god, difference. that's an insanely high. You look percentage. at the numbers. Yeah. If you're forty to fifty percent in those because they're so high risk reward, Crazy. you're doing really well in those situations. And that's where like I think the safety play of recent years not having because I've. Heard Brandon Jones talking a lot after a couple of these Dolphin games just about, like, his pregame, you know, like, film and just being mm-hmm. able to do study work. Yeah. But when you lose a guy like him and then lose a guy like Stearns, Stearns and, then, and when those are the guys that are, like, able to, like, lead, say, the film study or at least, like, tell the younger guys, you know, what responsibilities are. And, like, when you start to have one schism and you just don't have that type of connection in the back end, it's like you got to take that next responsibility if you're the next guys. And it just seems as if this group right now hasn't been able to have it click in their minds pre-snap or whatever their responsibilities are. There's obviously a disconnect at some point. I've heard from a few different sources. There are some guys in that DB room that watch film. Uh, but that's one of those deals. Based on the play this year, you can tell which guys watch film and which guys don't. Because I've been told there's just guys that on their own, they flat out just don't watch film. Yeah, are they? They're watching it the wrong way. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, they don't understand how to break down film. Like you're watching it, but you're not watching. Yeah. It. I mean, I literally learned how. Yeah, you know, he said because I used to chart film the same way. I mean, that's, that's how I charted. That's how I figured out tendencies of teams. That's mm-hmm. how I knew strengths. That's how I knew like, oh man, they're gonna run the out route here on third and five when they got three by one formation, and especially on this side of the field, they did doing the sixty. You know what I mean? Like, I they knew need a in my head. I'm real time thinking it and going, okay, I got it. And if I had great hands, I'd have took most of those. That's what I love about watching. That's what I love about breaking it down in high school, like playing, like you know, watching line of scrimmage film. You can learn like, okay, this guard. Uh, if he's got all his weight down on his hand, that means they're probably running the ball. Oh. He's probably pulling if his if his hand is just if his if he's cocked back a little bit mm-hmm. up on his toes yeah, and his hands he's doesn't yep. have all the pressure on his hand. That ready. means he's probably he's pulling. Pull. So yeah. it's gonna be a, it's gonna be some kind of trap or a counter. Like yeah. that's the kind of stuff you learn. And those are the yep. things that you'll hear in baseball a lot. Whenever people aren't necessarily open to analytics, but players when they actually see. Like the, they'll have analytics ready for people and be like, well, in these situations, you can tell somebody and articulate these things. But then when you hand them the printout and be like, no, but see, your returns are really bad in this situation when this happens. And if you're just able to go and have these things that are actually print out the numbers and how many times in this formation they run these and the analytics hand those things. Too. And those are those things really do help All players the work is when being you done get to for see you. the numbers and actually see them. <laughs> Print it yeah. out and be like, okay, and it'll open your doors to, okay, yeah. I need to not swing at that breaking ball that's or gr- things along those points. lines. I wonder if they are giving the numbers. Seriously, yeah. I wonder if they are giving the numbers pro football focus style, and if that is part of the problem. I always say the reason, you know, I, I, people make fun of me. They call me Papers Babies. Obviously, Papers me everywhere. Too. And you too, right? But you realize, and you know it too, Jeff, because you write stuff down. You remember it when you write. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. It's, it like works a different part of your brain. You, re- I start to remember. I remember these random stats now because I remember writing it down. Sometimes I literally will visualize writing it down. Same thing with That's watching the film. job I of the analytics. Yeah, exactly. I wanted them just that. getting you the information is different from you. Wa- literally, me watching, go back and watching every third and long this year on yep. defense. Right, go and I remember and them like I remember home. them. I could see them in my brain. That is, it's so different. I think it trains you differently. It's a different way of acquiring information. I think it. I think it actually translates and computes and it impacts a little bit more your mind and makes yes. you actually be like, oh wait, I see what he's saying. There really yeah. is proof. And There's goes, evidence. What it starts talking about the why. 
Yeah. They don't understand the why. The well, why. That's, here's the, why. the results. That's part of the why. <laughs> when you understand, you understand why you're breaking down film, why you're actually tracking uh, the priest of that motion, why you're tracking formations and all those tendencies. Because it can be overwhelming, it all the information. But if you understand why you're doing it, then it, you get the aha moment. But that's basically yeah. what Sark said on Monday when I was going to ask him the, a follow-up to what I asked him post-game, but somebody else did. And he basically said kind of what you said, right? He's like, look, if it's, let's say it's third and six. And you recognize the route, what their what formation there. He's like, there's only a certain number of routes they can run in that formation, and as you see it run. develop, okay, I know where the sticks are. That's where the ball's going. Well, then what I tell you, what Shanahan, Seth eliminates this many. Best lesson I had. Me and Shanahan had a me and Shanahan had like a four hour session one day. Uh, I won't tell you a session or what. So we're just hanging <laughs> out, and he's breaking down the route tree for me, and he's saying, "Listen, man." He said, you have to learn how to counsel routes as I run. Yeah. Right? As I'm running up the field, right? I, once I pass five yards, no more hitch, no more slant, no more quick out. Right? Then you start breaking. If I go seven or eight, all right, basically I've taken myself out of running that skinny post. Right? I'm past that. If I'm past the curl route then, right, because I'm, I'm going deeper down the field. Now I'm at the deep curl, which is an NFL-type throw, or I'm at the deep comeback, which, hell, man, he was like, you breaking on a comeback, that is that's just dangerous on any quarterback. He's not going to throw that. Or we're talking about now deep movement route. We're talking about the post route. We're talking about the deep six route. We're talking about the corner post. Then you can start opening up your hips. Yeah. Right. And so I, it, 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 changed. it was revolutionary to me. I was like, damn, he's right. I literally have to learn how to counsel routes within two seconds in my mind. Boom, boom, boom. By each and footstep. By, literally by each footstep. And it, that's I, I, it, that changed everything for me. These guys don't know how to counsel routes. I heard uh, Mike Griffin talking about canceling gaps. And it kind of reminds me of talking about the canceling routes. You have to learn how to cancel gaps in the running game. Like, I don't know, A gap canceled by this technique or this guy. B gap, C gap. So we're stringing it out. We know exactly where we know exactly where the, court, the running back's supposed to be squirting out. Mm-hmm. We know exactly where he's supposed to be. Boom. You can break up. They don't have that type mm-hmm. of synchronicity in chemistry. And you can tell, third and long is the biggest example of that. Yeah. And the coaches, by the way, it's on them on third and long, too. I went back and tracked it just real quick because I know we're up against it. Uh, third and long situations uh, in the in the six-game losing streak for Texas. Opponents are converting 40% of third and longs. That third and seven or more against 55% in the last two weeks. But how about this number? <laughs> when they go just standard rush, three- or four-man rush up front, the defense is allowing 44% third and longs to be converted. But, but when the they decide to blitz or they decide to uh, at least, and I consider blitz five, at least five rushers or at least five defenders coming, or if we send a safety or a corner. A even if it's a four-man four rush with a safety or a corner, yeah, that's a deliberate blitz, so I'll call it a blitz. Opponents are converting 27%. Right, with about average. Their, opponent, their third down, third and long conversion. So my point is, there's data like that will tell you, you know what? Sark needs to go in and go, hey, PK, blitz more on third and long. I want to see it more. I want the rate to go up by 20%. Doesn't go up by 20%, man, you got a problem. Peace, love you. Yep. Boom. Because right now we're a Big 12 defense. Like it don't matter if you drop eight. We're getting beat. We need to bring it and cut off the head right that, there. Yeah, that's analytics. We've been saying that about stuff. the defense all season. And you've been talking about the pass rush. So you know they can't create an organic pass rush. That's without Jacoby Jones. You know they can't uh, hold up in coverage either. So why the hell are you waiting on a disaster to happen? They are Go going to beat chaos. you anyway. They are going yes. to beat you regardless. Go force chaos. At least go down swinging. And the odds may work out in your favor. Sometimes chaos, it falls right in your lap, and it works out for you. And those are probabilities, and just put yourself in advantageous to where over time it'll play out and you'll win. Come on, man.
You're an old Big 12 team. That's how old Big 12 teams used to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to lose on defense anyway. Let's just go create a fuster clock. Yeah, <laughs> we might be able to go and cut the head off before it kills us. <laughs> we may give up a 50-yarder or we may get an interception. Go for that home run shot. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like you're, Now you're the guy trying to beat Mike Tyson. Exactly. Try to knock him out. Hey, Bakers, baby. Because he's going to beat dying, you. You're, you're, dying death, on, you're dying to death by a thousand You're dying to slow death, man. To help the slow death. And you know what? Your guys play with one energy. I've noticed watching. When I watch those reps, when, they, when he calls blitzes, those guys are ready. They're ready. They're like, it infuses them with confidence. Mm-hmm. You have now empowered them when you mm-hmm. call those blitzes on third. Because third and long is the only down in football. That is the only situation in football where the odds flip in favor of the defense. Real yep. quick, you're not good enough to do the rush three or four and drop seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Because look at the teams that are really good at doing that in, in, in this era of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. 2017 Texas defense, what did you have? You have Malik Jefferson, Gary Johnson, a linebacker. Baylor right now, you've got Terrell Bernard. Oklahoma State, you've got Malcolm Rodriguez. Iowa State, you have Mike Rose. You have a, If you have elite-level linebacker and safety play, Amen. you can get away with that defense. You don't have elite-level linebacker and safety play on this And you defense. knew that coming into the year. Totally agree. Boom. Even more so, but well, now it's week 12 or 11 or whatever. You definitely know it by now. <laughs> even if you should have done the homework in the offseason, you definitely know it now. So. Well, Given what we said about the defense, I think we all kind of expect what uh, Deuce Vaughn's going to do to this defense. Uh, yeah, yeah. But they still got a chance to win the game. They do, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, last year you won by like, one-dimensional. Like 69 to 30-something. Speaking of pass rush, you get, Jacoby Jones will be back. I don't know how much he's going to play, but he's— Is he really? Yeah. Oh, that's good news for them. He's that's the best huge. pass rusher. That yeah. is huge. Yeah, yeah it's—I mean, he's— he had a, said he had a Jones fracture and he probably shouldn't play, but you know what? He doesn't Man, get another year. It's his last game, so he might he might play three snaps, but those are going to be the damnedest, hardest three snaps of his career. It's going to be a lot of crying um, at this game. There's no crying in baseball, but tons of it in football. Last guys these guys are ever going to put – last time they'll ever put on a pads and helmet. So guys will be a lot of tears with moms and dads on the field. It's always weird. But honestly, if you don't play like a mofo out there for your last game at DKR, damn, I, I feel for you. Yeah. That means you got you got you got. Then some we issues. then we can't chalk it up as one of the worst seasons in the in modern yeah, era come on, of man. this program. So we should at least see some guys playing playing their hearts out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. We'll see what happens, and we'll be back next week to start talking about the offseason. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. on RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shame as fuck. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Hey, everybody, have a happy, healthy, safe, wonderful Thanksgiving Amen. as we get into the holiday season, and we'll be back to do it again next week. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. 
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.